haven't climbed up to Enchanted Rock. Drink a cold shiner down. Well, hey there. Howdy. New week. A new week, other side of Texas. Thanks for tuning in and telling a friend that you hang out on the other side of Texas. I'm your host, Jay West, Texas Leeson. Lots coming up, but we are broadcasting live from the studios where renegades like Waylon Jennings put smoke soot on the wall of what residue? I'm still not sure. Not sure what he was smoking, but it's still right here on the walls. Right there. And uh, Buddy Holly, a place where a place where independence has uh, been a long staple of thought and great people come out of here. And uh, this program, just that, we're raving on and uh, some renegade independence. More and more of you are telling me, hey, I've got friends who I told about the program and I appreciate you telling them about the program. And uh, for passing on the podcast lots coming up today as we get into the program and uh we've got scott braddock coming up here about 15 minutes from now and later on the program the avalanche journals matt dotre will be on with us and get into your text as we go throughout don't take calls take emails jay at other side of texas.com and uh take your text live here on the program you ready for that? It's 806-745-5800. If you're listening live time, not to the podcast, don't worry about sending whenever you're listening to the podcast. But if you're listening live right now, 5 to 6 p.m. Central Standard Time on the High Plains of Texas, it is 806-745-5800. And where we want to kick off this week's edition, if I can get into a monologue with you, is the headlines. The USA Today puts out an opinion piece in which it talks about the way that things are escalating in the country right now. And the question asked today on the USA Today opinions page is is America headed towards a civil war? Sanders and Nielsen incidents show it has already begun. Sarah Huckabee Sanders and Kristen Nielsen who must be Dutch because there's a J right there in the middle of Kristen Christian I'm going to just say Kristen Nielsen experiences at restaurants suggest a soft civil war is underway which is you know we've talked before on the program and just start with a national because look my whole thing is this and people who've listened to me long enough know and read me i can't be fitted i don't have ultimate devotion in either party camp because i'm a product of rural Texas. I understand the necessity of government and the good things government can do. I understand the pitfalls of government and the gluttony it can present. But by and large, I'm an economic moderate because I'm honest about where I live. And the sort of economy that revolves around a healthy ag industry, and even whenever it's unhealthy, the medical district in the hub city in which I dwell, the rural metropolis, and education, public and higher education. And I'm honest about those things. Some people aren't, and they just want to get on the radio and put on their big boy, hardcore conservative, let's burn it all to the ground pants with socks and sandals. And I need to stop talking about socks and sandals because it's a misnomer and I get questions about it whenever I'm at parties and, and the like. But Anyhow, there are people who get on the radio and talk about how hardline conservative they are, baby. They want to shut it all down. Watch it burn to the ground. But I understand that on the economic front. I do not understand the social of people we're within. I'm not signed up on that. I don't, we don't subscribe to it at my house. I am not, I don't, I think that you'd be hard pressed to find a place unless you're like really delicate and you found it in one of my columns or in something I've said on air, I'm not out of my way to be inhospitable or disrespectful to people with various social views. 
I did call some years back when we were doing West Texas Drive. I remember talking one day about getting an OSHA email about best practices. And this must have been four years ago. And the best practice was to set up a genderless bathroom within new commercial builds, which at that time I rolled my head at and rolled my eyes at and thought, wow, because OSHA is a front runner. Uh, they are regulating and they're saying look it would be best and by best they mean you better and so I understand the cultural upheaval that's gone on and how it's bled into society and people upset about that which brings us all to a place and we're going to talk with redistricting about redistricting with Scott Braddock here in just a moment but I want to get into a couple of things. First, USA Today, and then the dumbest thing I've heard in a long time. So stick with me. The other day, the USA Today column begins. Author Thomas Ricks, who ran a piece on um, on a blog, so far as I can tell, asked whether we're heading towards a civil war. Quote, I believe we're to Kansas of the 1850s. We're I don't believe we're to Kansas of the 1850s yet, but we seem to be lurching in that direction, he wrote. Ricks was commenting on a, quote, what democratic rage would look like, a Bloomberg opinion column that quotes political scientist Thomas Schaller as saying, quote, I think that we're at the beginning of a soft civil war, and I don't know if the country gets out of it whole. That sounds pretty serious. The friends of... Francis Wilkinson presents a catalog of things Democrats are mad about, from the existence of an electoral college to Trump's quote-unquote propaganda apparatus and predicts if Democrats lose in the midterm elections, there will be, in his words, hell to pay. And Republicans, you know, could make a similar list of their own complaints. I don't know exactly what it would look like, Wilkinson writes, but liberals have a great deal of cultural, academic, and economic heft stretching from Hollywood to Harvard. Just last week, some Hollywood powerhouses flirted with leveraging their clout against the Trumpist Fox News. There are endless variations on such a power play. If Democrats opt to use their power more aggressively, breaking rules, Schaller's civil war, soft civil war as it were, hardly seems unlikely, Wilkinson said. Well, actually, this sort of thing seems to be well underway. Hollywood has basically turned its products and its award shows into showcases for quote-unquote the uh, resistance. Now... Look, I see all this stuff with Harvey Weinstein and people finally came out, but that was the M.O. in Hollywood for I don't know how long. And I don't know anything about motion pictures. I think I'd be pretty good behind the camera. I've got really good hair. But other than that, I don't know anything about motion pictures. But what I do know is that there was a culture of something going on, and while people were railing against George W. Bush from these award shows, they were letting women get raped in closets or or on executive desks or wherever it was happening with Harvey Weinstein, but all of a sudden Hollywood is sanctimonious about, uh, quote-unquote, the resistance. But that's another show for another time. Americans are already sorting themselves into communities that are predominantly red or blue, and in heavily blue Washington, D.C., Trump staffers find that a lot of people don't want to date them because of their politics. I don't know what that's about. Don't really care. White House Press Secretary Sarah Huckabee Sanders was kicked out of a Red Hen restaurant in Lexington, Virginia because the owner and employees disliked her politics. This seems like a small thing, but it would have been a large unthinkable thing a generation ago. And in a somewhat less soft manifestation, Homeland Security Secretary Kristen, I may be a Hollander or not, Nielsen, was bullied out of a restaurant by an angry anti-Trump mob and a similar mob showed up outside of her home. Will it get worse? Probably to have a civil war, soft or otherwise, takes two sides. But as synonymous as Twitter, Thomas H. Crown notes, it's childishly easy, 
childishly, excuse me, easy these days to identify people in mobs and then dispatch similar mobs to their homes and workplaces. Eventually, he notes, it becomes, quote, protesters all the way down, and we haven't yet figured out that can lead to political violence. We're dumb. And that is 100% right, because some people are not very smart and they take politicians this is how not smart they are they take politicians at their words and you can't be much dumber than to take a politician at their words which brings me to Maxine Waters let me just play you a clip of Maxine Waters taking this taking a stage in front of a bunch of hooped up democrat party supporters and uh, let you hear her address the crowd. We want it done now. We're going to insist on it. If you think we're rallying now, you ain't seen nothing yet. Already, you have members of your cabinet uh, that are being booed out of restaurants. We have protesters taking up at their house. Who sang, no peace, no sleep. No peace, no sleep. And guess what? We're going to win this battle because while you try and quote the Bible, Jeff Sessions and others, you really don't know the Bible. God is on our side. It's on our side. Even Lincoln didn't on go that far. On the side of the children. On the side of what's right. On the side of what's honorable on the side of understanding that if we can't protect the children, we can't protect anybody. And so, let's stay the course. Let's make sure we show up wherever we have to show up. And if you see anybody from that cabinet in a restaurant, in a department store, at a gasoline station, you get out and you create a crowd. And you push back on them. And you tell them they're not welcome anymore, anywhere. Okay, so that's Maxine Waters. And for those of you who may not be aware, Maxine Waters is a congresswoman from South Central Los Angeles and declaring that she's on the absolute right side of right, that God is on her side. And stop me if you've heard this before in... Uh, we'll just put it in the category of political differences that slipped into wars. I think that the USA Today is trying to get link clicks, and I understand that. But Maxine Waters is not far from feeding the fury that people fear. Uh, the slippage to, towards a civil war and let me tell you why now hold on i've said this on twitter and people have come go to you follow me on twitter at j-a-y-l-e-e-s-o-n follow me on twitter but i spoke out against maxine waters just like the week before you can go back to our podcast there on our apple podcast and you can hear me decry jeff sessions for uh, a fellow united methodist conservative united methodist cherry pick scriptures to meet his own political and legal end which is never that 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 book is a book about the restoration the redemption of humanity it's not a geography book it's not a history book that book being the bible and i'm quoting my old testament professor at asbury seminary it is not meant to be a text about anything other than the redemption of man and people use it to all sorts of political ends and i called it out <laughs> i called it out with sessions and now i'm calling it out with maxine waters but this same maxine waters let me just say to all of you who are out there and you say oh, well this is the arbiter this is the crown jewel this is the beacon a voice for civil disobedience and civil interaction In 1992, there was a little thing in Los Angeles, and it was called the L.A. Riots, also known as the Rodney King Riots, the Southern Central Riots, the 1992 Los Angeles Civil Disturbance. 
wherein there was widespread looting, assault, arson, and murder occurred during the riots and estimated property damage of over $1 billion. Governor Pete Wilson sent the California Am- Army National Guard and President H. George excuse me, George H.W. Bush deployed the 7th Infantry Division of the 1st Marine Division and there were 63 people killed. 2,200, excuse me, 2,383 people injured and more than 12,000 people arrested. And of that riot, here's what Nancy, this is what Maxine Waters had to say in the L.A. Times. Public, well, I'm quoting, uh, here it is. Well, if you call it a quote-unquote riot, said Maxine Waters, the rambunctious South, South Central Congresswoman, quote, it sounds just like a bunch of crazy people who went out and did bad things for no reason. I maintain... <coughs> It was somewhat understandable, if not acceptable. So call it a rebellion. Call it a rebellion. Call it acceptable. But it wasn't a riot. Go tell that to 63 people who are dead. Go tell that to $1 billion in property owners who lost. And 23, 2400 people who were injured in all that. And yet... Maxine Waters is somehow in this, well, Trump started the Civil War, and look, it's not a defense. I understand Trump. I understand he's not the most polite politician you've ever heard talk, but at least he's forward about it, and it's not behind the scenes. There's not all sorts of gruesome things being done. I remember in 2008 supporting a guy in 2000, 2004, who led to the annihilation of my parents' 401ks as well as everybody else's and it was all behind the curtains in the Wall Street collapse I remember that now oh but George W. Bush he he took the right and I like George W. Bush but don't give me this whole like well at least he had manners well manners wound up costing the country and to go to the other side and say well we're right and you're absolutely wrong yeah well yeah civil war Axl Rose may be right uh, those guys may be correct that uh, we might be looking at. We might be looking at that civil war. I'll get into some of that. He is Scott Braddock. He is the editor of the Quorum Report, a great Texan and uh, above average journalist. Scott Braddock, how are you, buddy? <laughs> well, you know, I'll take it. Above average sounds good. Thank you. <laughs> uh, Lots of stuff for us to get into. I don't know where sure. to really begin. Mm-hmm. Um, tell me what you went to the Democratic, uh, the state Democratic convention. Yes, sir. And, you know, we had Ross Ramsey on last week, Texas Tribune. He mm-hmm. asked a question why these things are even still around. Why um, are they even doing it? Yeah. You know, I, I, Did I you might ask yourself that same that. question? <clears throat> I might concur with him on that. I mean, you have the Republican convention that costs something like $1.4, $1.6 million. Uh, the Democratic convention has got to be on par with that, at least $1.2 million, something like that. Um, and look, especially for the Democrats, I would ask it more for the Democrats than the Republicans, because, of course, Republicans, even though they have had some uh, questions about the finances of the party, the candidates are very well-funded, as you know. And um, on the Democratic side, that's not always the case, right? I mean, we're we're looking at reports about uh, Beto O'Rourke doing pretty well in fundraising, but if you look uh, down the ballot, uh, the other Democrats are kind of, uh, you know, rubbing nickels together, as we have talked about on the show. They could use that $1.2 million for anything else, get out the vote efforts, et cetera, uh, but it's a chance for them to rally the base and get people all fired up, which I would say, in fairness, they did um, get people fired up, but I can tell you this, uh, between you and me and the listeners and the fence posts across Lubbock County, um, there was one top uh, elected official, a local official, I'll leave it at that, who is a Democrat, who pulled me aside. I'm not going to use their name now, but uh, they 
uh, said, look, everybody's all fired up, but I didn't hear a real message. I didn't hear, you know, where the troops are supposed to march. Um, and there was a lot of energy around the family separations uh, that are happening on the border right now. Uh, President Trump, of course, uh, you know, is the backdrop, and the things he's doing is the backdrop for the Democratic Convention and for the Republican one as well. Uh, but for the opposition party, for the Democrats, they're fired up and angry at Trump. But the thing is, you know, as as angry as they may be about those uh, family separations, and by the way, as you know, a lot of Republicans are not happy with that either, but as angry as the Democrats are, that's the Trump story of this week and last week. Six weeks from now, is that going to be a story? Mm. I don't know. I mean, it, it may be, uh, but as unpredictable as the president is, it's hard to tell uh, whether that's going to be the narrative going into the fall. Um, you know, I've started saying that uh, with Trump, it may not be that there's a blue wave, but there could be a tsunami warning, you know, last 15 minutes before the election. Uh, he may do something simply because he's so unpredictable. He may do something that's really wonderful for Democrats and awful for Republicans, or, again, because he's so unpredictable, he might do something that's wonderful for Republicans. Yeah, but why here... we tune in each and every week to try to figure it out together, Jay. Sure. Well, in quorumreport.com, Scott Braddock <laughs> with us. But here's the question I posed to Beto O'Rourke whenever he was on the show, and we'll get to him in just a moment. But I said to Beto O'Rourke, and I kind of saw yeah. staffers, like, their raised eyebrows. But I said, look, you're going to have to do something better than present white liberals who are indignantly opposed to Trump. Because if numbers are right, I know you had mm-hmm. record turnouts, but you're still 500,000 behind the Republican yep. in the primary numbers. You're going to yes. have to appeal to those Trump voters on some level. And I, to the extent, let me just say, this is your time, but I'm going to hog some of it here. Trump, we see some poll numbers coming out, and yeah. I don't want to necessarily get into those, but it makes a lot of sense why Ted Cruz led the way in ending migrant children separations. Well, trying to do that. Trying, but yeah. still taking the lead, even though he's trying. It makes well, he's sense. He's sort of leading now, from behind. He didn't about face on that. Yeah, sure. You know, well, I'm just trying it. to be fair here. No, yeah. I'll make that he must have seen. He must have seen his own, I mean, probably where you're going. Is he, he must have seen his own internal polling that showed that was not going well. Yeah, and so the question becomes, where is Beto O'Rourke bent? Like, where is he going towards the middle? And, and I don't see that. And it just, I asked him the question, don't you need to have more than indignant, white, mm-hmm. anti-Trumper, never-Trumpers in your camp, to which he said... Well, I, I think so, and I don't I don't see him making moves towards that. Yeah, I would question how he's going to get that done. I, I mean, in other parts of the country, I think there is a better case to be made for some of the people who voted for Donald Trump to, in this cycle, vote for Democrats. I'm not sure that that is an argument that holds in Texas. I think most of the people, the vast majority, who voted for Trump in Texas are people who are going to vote for Republicans again this cycle, even if some of those people were brand new. Uh, I still think those are probably likely Republicans in this cycle. However, there may be some who go for the Democrat. Uh, But in other places, uh, there were demonstrable and significant numbers of people who had voted for President Obama and then switched and voted for President Trump. So that's why I say I think in places like the Midwest, it's probably an easier case to make, or at least uh, uh, a case that can be uh, made uh, just based on the numbers. Um, But look, I I think he has done a few things. Uh, One... Uh, in his speech on Friday evening, I did not hear a whole lot of Trump bashing. That Wait, was certainly you, not where he was going with things. Did you um, hear and, Cruz And I will once? say, he, uh, he did not say Cruz's name even one time, hmm. which I found very interesting. And afterward, by the way, uh, he did tell, uh, O'Rourke told a reporter uh, at the Houston Chronicle, uh, Jeremy Wallace, he told him, because uh, Wallace asked him, why didn't you talk about Cruz? And, uh, you know, he said, look, everybody at this convention certainly knows who Cruz is and what they think of him. <laughs> so that makes some sense. Um, I will tell you this. There are some people out there um, who probably missed the fact that O'Rourke even spoke at the Democratic convention mm-hmm. uh, because, and this is uh, my guess on this, but um, when you look at the way his schedule was laid out, he spoke very last at the convention on a Friday evening. Um, and, you know, so he can be seen as sort of the headliner at the convention. Uh, but the very next day, he was down on the border talking about those family separations out in Tornillo uh, near uh, El Paso. Uh, and so the stories about O'Rourke over the weekend 
were not about his speech at the convention. They were about his uh, activities on the border. Smart uh, which is where he, or not. There was, yeah, was a little sleight of hand there going on. I think people across the state may have missed the fact that he even talked. In fact, I did get uh, a couple of calls from folks uh, who were pretty plugged into politics, actually, who said, did he even talk at the convention? And I said, well, yeah, apparently he didn't read our story about it. Thanks a lot. <laughs> but the uh, point is um, that I think he was moving pretty quick uh, to not have the uh, Democratic convention be the backdrop for his campaign, even at this stage. Wow. Of the campaign. Look at uh, that. So, hold on, hold on, hold on. Mm-hmm. Let me just pause. Yeah. For for people who, this is the first they even knew of a Democratic convention up here on, uh, yeah. up here on the Caprock. You think that Beto O'Rourke's math, and don't let me speak for you, I'll just ask you, was his math that it's more important for me to be down there because too few people could care about this convention? It's not that they wouldn't care about the convention. It's that so many anti-Trump, th- to your point, so many anti-Trump things are being said at that convention. It's not O'Rourke saying those things, uh, but it's the chairman of the Democratic Party. It's other candidates for office uh, who are saying things, uh, slamming President Trump. I mean, the, pre- the chairman of the party said that there was, a quote, a special place in hell for Trump and Cruz, uh, and he was talking about the, the separations same. on the border, but I didn't hear uh, O'Rourke say anything like that. And in fact, again to your point, uh, at one campaign event after another, O'Rourke has gone out of his way, even when he's asked about the uh, possible impeachment of President Trump, if Democrats were to take back uh, the Congress, uh, to take back the House, uh, he's walked that back quite a bit. Remember, he had made some comments early on about uh, the in Lubbock of, with my friend mm-hmm. Chad Hasty immediately right. after I interviewed O'Rourke. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, he's walking that back. So um, he, he and others know that that is not the winning message, uh, and that's not even. I would say it's not even the message that you want to have if you're going to be competitive yeah, in Texas. Just, it just kills me, Braddock, because here's the same Texas Democratic Party that I think it's 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 out there, but it's certainly. Con- there is no context in politics God being booed in the platform and yet we're going to condemn Donald Trump to an eternal hell like you can't have it both ways guys and it just to listen to that stuff kills me but let's move over to not things that were said about Trump to things that are said about Cruz mm-hmm. were you there to hear Ted Cruz called we'll stay within the FCC lines but an SOB uh, people don't like Cruz at the Democratic Convention. Imagine that. <laughs> remember that. Uh, remember that uh, he was also sort of cussed at the uh, RNC back in 2016. Look, I, the, the, this guy has never been popular with Democrats, and guess what? He likes that. Um, but it, his problem has been with Republicans uh, up until now. Uh, you know, he had uh, flamed out at the RNC. Uh, Cruz did uh, when he would not endorse Trump on the stage during his speech, in which he had the uh, crowd doing about face on him. Remember, uh, he was welcomed with open arms, standing ovation. Ted Cruz, uh, one of the favorites of the Republican Party, and by the end of the speech, they were basically booing him off the speech because he was saying you should uh, vote your conscience and would not say people uh, should vote for Trump. And then, of course, he caved on that later under intense pressure from Lieutenant Governor Dan Patrick and others. Uh, Cruz finally gave in and endorsed Trump. And then the people who were still hanging with Cruz because he wouldn't do that thing, he did that thing, and then they were angry at him. Uh, after those people were angry at him as well. Uh, so he's had to rehab his, uh, you know, his his credibility with Republicans. I would say based on his uh, performance at the uh, state Republican convention two weeks ago, he has basically done that. Uh, as one person put it, uh, his signs and bumper stickers were as good as gold, as good as cash uh, at the uh, Republican Party of Texas convention. Um, but he still has some ground to make up, I think, with independents. Uh, they hate him uh, over on the Democratic side. They're kind of cool to him uh, as far as that uh, third or so of uh, voters in Texas who self-identify mm-hmm. as independents, and he's uh, really rock solid again with those Republicans. He's Scott Braddock at Scott Braddock on Twitter. But, again, we're back to appealing to that middle ground. That doesn't look good. It's not a good look for a party. All Ted Cruz has to do is roll, find the independent markets and then roll you know, the various suburbs yep. and then roll out. You know, well, this is what the Democrats' plan is, which mm-hmm. is no plan other than to call him an SOB. And now I get really indignant about it. Like, are we going to have a policy alternative 
or should we just be compelled by your hatred? And I don't care if it's the old man next door who's mad at my kids. Like, you need to get your kids in order because they leave their bikes in my front yard and their skateboards and footballs. and <laughs> Like, that doesn't compel me, right? And so to hear somebody who's really bothered by somebody, I don't think it's a winning message. And I think that Cruz walked away from the Democratic Party. He didn't walk away, but... After it concluded, I think that Cruz has heels up on on O'Rourke. Well, it's amazing what people are upset about, isn't it? Uh, on the one hand, uh, people sort of, a lot of people yawn when uh, kids are being taken away from their parents, and at the same time they would be in the street protesting because a woman got kicked out of a restaurant because people found uh, her lying to the American people every day objectionable. Well... You'll have to go back and listen to the first segment there. But it just depends. It just depends. I mean, I think it is in general, outrage. I, I, I get think, that. Uh, I think in general, you're right. I think, um, and, and this has been proven out over the years. It's not just my opinion. It's it's that people want to be able to vote for something. They don't just want to vote against somebody. Mm-hmm. Um, I think in 2016 um, that was sort of upended because I do think there were a lot of people, especially uh, those folks that we talked about in the Midwest, who voted against Hillary Clinton. Uh, and in some respects, some of them voted for President Trump. But, but I mean, if you listen to the way the, ang- the way that he expressed anger at uh, the establishment overall, the establishment within the Republican Party and the Democratic Party, which Clinton and the Clinton family certainly part of, um, I think there were a lot of people who were voting against that. Uh, but I think, in a general sense, um, and like I say, this is borne out over the you know over the many presidential cycles and and other election cycles, that people really do want to vote for something. Um, and when you have a, an economy that's pretty good, and this is the thing that doesn't get said enough probably in, a, in these uh, political discussions, all the other stuff aside, when you have an economy that's pretty good, you're going to stick with the people who are in charge for the most part. I mean, that that was the, that was the deal during the 90s uh, when uh, Bill Clinton had so many... Uh, issues uh, that uh, people thought, you know, the, the tawdry issues, the bimbo eruptions and all of that. But people said, hey, the economy is pretty good, so who cares? Um, and if you look at uh, Trump's numbers right now, uh, he's coming up, uh, you know, in Gallup polls and, uh, and the other polling that's out there as well. Uh, and he's about, uh, at this point in his presidency, is about where some immediate past presidents have been. Uh, and that is largely because the economy is humming along, and people, you know, people tend to look at their wallets when yeah. they're making these decisions. Well, and to quote James Carville, the master consultant, it's mm-hmm. the economy, stupid. I want to go right quick. I mean, one other thing, one other way to make that a little bit more relatable for people: you and your wife fight more if there's more money coming in or less. Um, and I don't mean that for you and your wife. I mean in general for we, people. Do, we've you know, the couple, to be the people, the people have more fights if there's more money coming in or less, and the, and the and the country works the same way. Yeah. So, look, this is the last question I got for you here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We got uh, Matt Dotre coming up here pretty. Matt Dotre. Yep. But uh, is. I begin to pay more and more attention and listen to people, especially around Texas. I've heard Beto O'Rourke versus Cruz being the feature race. I am beginning to think that maybe Mike Collier, the Democrat, former Republican versus Dan Patrick, the current lieutenant governor, is becoming the marquee race. How bad is that race about to get? It could get pretty nasty. Um, you know, the speech that Collier gave, and he, he gave a version of the speech more than once uh, over the weekend uh, for the Democrats who were gathered in Fort Worth, uh, he was very personal. It was very visceral. Uh, he was saying that, and this is the quote, he was saying that Dan Patrick's hair is fake and his uh, <laughs> his truck is fake, you know, that antique truck that, uh, that uh, was in all of the Dan Patrick ads, and he said, look, my Ford F-150 is real. Uh, he was taking direct personal shots uh, at the lieutenant governor, also hitting him uh, on his signature issue of property taxes, uh, also hitting him on the bathroom bill. He also said that, uh, Collier also said that uh, maybe if uh, Republicans like Patrick wanted to uh, really do something about violence in bathrooms, they would uh, allow, they would outlaw Republican office holders from going into public uh, restrooms uh, because more Republicans have been caught doing untoward things in public restrooms in the entire transgender community. Uh, it was very, very personal. Um, and this is just my uh, guess, uh, but it, it said to me that they're signaling that they 
not going to have a problem in Collier's campaign being as personal as possible uh, with Dan Patrick, which could include uh, bringing up the fact that he does have a history of mental health issues and was in a mental health institution uh, in Houston years ago and tried to commit suicide. This is something that came up uh, during the runoff between uh, Lieutenant Governor uh, Dewhurst and uh, then-Senator Patrick uh, back in 2014, but it came up at the very end, and I'm not sure that it might, uh, I'm not sure if it's going to come up a little bit sooner uh, before November, but but the, the whole thing seemed very personal. Now, the other thing is, you have to look at the numbers, and I know you have to run here in just a second, but um, when you look at the numbers uh, for the Lieutenant Governor in the primary, his support is a lot softer than uh, Governor Abbott uh, or Cruz. Uh, Patrick is the one uh, who came in 15, 14 to 15 points behind uh, Governor Abbott in the primary. About 375,000 people who voted in the Republican primary voted against Dan Patrick and for this guy, Scott Milder, who was running against him. And I think it's a point we've made on your show before, Jay Leeson. Uh, most people had never heard of Scott Milder. I mean, a nice guy and everything, a public education person, but he only spent about $80,000 to Patrick's $7 million in that primary. Mm. Uh, and so you can bet that the people who were voting, most of them, the vast majority who were voting for Milder instead of Patrick, that was a protest vote, people who just didn't like Dan Patrick. And again, those are people who voted in the GOP primary. He's our friend, Scott Braddock, and uh, you can see more there at QuorumReport.com. Get the inside info from the state's insider newsletter, Quorum Report. Thank you, Scott Braddock. Appreciate you, Jay Leeson. Talk soon. Well, we, we will talk soon, Scott Braddock there. Appreciate him. Lots of feedback in my column this weekend, the Lubbock Avalanche Journal. Appreciate you guys there on our Facebook page. Be up at Other Side of Texas dot com later on and speaking of the lubbock avalanche journal he is our friend matt dotre matt dotre government reporter for the lubbock avalanche journal how are you buddy yes sir doing well thanks how are you uh good i'm uh kind of entranced by what i read this weekend of course the last time you were with us here on this program we were talking about the outrage of getting rid of the lubbock uh Coliseum Auditorium mm -hmm. and the Coliseum being a big problem for a lot of locals in Lubbock and probably one of the most historic venues. Uh, everybody always says this side of the Mississippi, but you show me an, <laughs> you show me another structure that was built with as much Khrushchev uh, Cold War proof steel, and uh, and I'll give you a dollar. But that was what we were talking about last time you were yeah. on. You've written a story in the Avalanche Journal recently about how there might be a solution to that dirt track multi-purpose event center problem. That's right, yeah. So, heck, last time we were talking, one of the main arguments was that we didn't have a replacement for anything yet. And I guess here we go. And this just happened this morning. A group of people who don't have a name, which kind of makes this story even harder to write from my end. You did but, end yeah. with a Lubbock group. Yeah, a Lubbock group um, made up mostly, from what I've told, of uh, business owners and then people involved, such as the ABC Rodeo folks, the Livestock folks, and I'm sure kind of elected officials have been working uh, with kind of this stuff as well, you'd figure. But, Behind yeah, the today, scenes. Ex exactly. Smoke-filled yeah, rooms. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Uh, today at the commissioner's meeting, introduced this proposal for a 2% increase, uh, like a venue tax, which, and the 2% is being talked about for the hotel occupancy tax. And then um, it was also discussed kind of like a, uh, a vehicle rental tax. I guess you can also use that um, mm. as, a as a venue tax and kind of talking about rates and that, maybe upwards of 5%. But, yeah, that's what was uh, discussed at the meeting today. Okay, so that's just today. Right. Yeah, and Monday morning. I mean, it was almost just a little preview, essentially, because uh, not many details were being thrown out or uh, discussed in terms of the location. We still don't know in terms of the actual design and what it would look like. We still don't know. Um so, but but I, I keep hearing uh, 
a comparison would be the the Mallet Event Center in Level Land. That keeps getting thrown out. Just, yeah. Hey, just, buddy. Just any anytime Level Land. Like comparison is the death of true self appreciation, but sure. when level lands on the board, I'm okay. Uh, hey, level land, they got to figure it out over there. So we're gonna. So I keep hearing that, but bigger. And and I keep yeah, hearing it at or near the fairgrounds. So not very far away from the Buddy Holly Hall, would you have an events a dirt event multi purpose center? Yeah, and I mean, I've asked that a few times today. I wasn't able to get anyone to confirm that for me at the fairgrounds. Of course, you would imagine that that place is being looked at pretty hard just mm-hmm. because, you know, they have space. And you say that uh, that Randy Jordan, market president of Western Bank, uh, who presented on behalf of the new group. This group, and uh, it was just him. Randy was the only person from that group there. Okay. In that he envisions an arena with a large exhibit hall that will hold 6,000 people. Well, so, yeah, the dirt arena would, w- w- like a 6,000 feet, sorry if that wording may be wrong. <laughs> but, yeah, the dirt arena w- would hold 6,000 people. Okay. Which, and I'm trying to remember what the Coliseum holds. Uh, uh, 9,000? Uh, Why did that Let me get mind? Gerald Myers on the phone. I'm not sure. <laughs> okay. Tony, but so I think so. I think it would Tony be smaller, Baroni. right? I think it'd be smaller. It absolutely would be smaller than the Coliseum, yeah. but built for events like the ABC Rodeo, which is what people are uh, pretty concerned about. Yeah, that's a big local tradition in Lubbock. Mm-hmm. Here's my question, though: Did yeah. Randy Jordan say anything about this same complex, this multi-purpose arena, being transformed into an Ultimate American Ninja Warrior? performance hall no no and if that's in the works i'd be really disappointed that he didn't tell me yeah but no, no, i haven't heard that hey you, those guys need i don't know what group you are but you need to up your game but let's get into the brass tacks of an it. american gladiators reboot would also be great no dude it's american ninja right now that's okay, like, all right. like my sure. jack we were watching it the other day he's like dad you know if you didn't have that belly you could do that and i'm like dude oh, even that's... even if i didn't have that belly i couldn't do that um but here's the big thing for people in lubbock where there's an absolute disdain for taxes uh, it's going to be other people who are paying the taxes on whatever's being proposed by whatever group yeah, but it still has the word taxes, you know. So but whether it's, it's or not other this group's money taxes, whether or not this group is going to be able to get that across, one and two, sell that to people where they think it's okay. I mean, I guess that's to be determined. Especially, you know, I feel like every day we're reading something about a sports team uh, screwing over a city. But and I'm not saying that this is anything like that. But you know, any time you you throw out the word taxes that's kind of tough for people to swallow yeah but it could be paid for in large by visitors and tourists but it's that yeah, in yeah. large that prepositional phrase that okay so what does that mean it, well what i meant by that is that i keep hearing that private businesses are still going to be a part of this okay and well that and then two, so. and then also kind of what happens after it gets built is what i was trying to also i, I hope to answer that some of that in my story today as much as they would tell me but they're talking about a third party would run it and then those people would be paid in large part by either private businesses or um you know the revenue that that place makes yeah and i just mark out for listeners and almost everybody who's been uh, in who's listening to this program whether they're in lubbock or not right now listening to podcasts or live They've been to the science spectrum, and I remember the big venue tax that was proposed for that and how widely it was fought by a lot of uh-huh. people who've got egg on their face now. You know, they just ran through Critter Fest, huge crowds at uh, the science spectrum, and that's how they funded that. Yeah. And I think that, you know, I don't want to try to give talking points one way or the other, but the Randy Jordans and his group would be uh, very uh, astute to take up the science spectrum as kind of the marker on this whole thing because that so, seems to have so, worked out pretty well over time. And did that roll off? Do you know that uh, patch rolled off then, right? I would think that it's self-supporting at this point. 
because I feel like people are going to want to hear a timeline. And because I still haven't heard a number, again, that the event center in Level Lane that I keep talking about, that was $15 million. Yeah. Um, and then I keep, and then this, this 2% increase to the hotel tax that they're proposing, they estimate that it would yield about $2.7 million a year. Per year. Okay. Per year. But here's so, the homework for you, Matt Dotre. Sure, okay, yeah. <laughs> I'm not the publisher of that paper, nor am I your editor. I'm just a loyal reader, and here's uh-huh. what I want. If Cliff Kingsbury goes 500 <laughs> next year, is it two points? Is that number 2.7 based on a sub-average year yeah. by Texas Tech <laughs> football, or uh-huh. is it based on hotels selling out because we're in the top 15? Yeah, maybe we need to get that Ole Miss game here. Is that what you're saying? Uh, I'm, well, Is it too late to get that here? And get away from a lot of 11 o'clock starts. But, <laughs> no, my whole point there, I think that whenever Tech is doing – the numbers I've always heard is that whenever Tech is running well, each weekend is about 4 to $5 million of uh, economic impact in Lubbock. Yeah. When they're doing really well, it can bump up to $8 million. So I would think that this group would have a uh, – a huge interest in seeing Texas Tech football do well. But well, that's I think just, that's a, yeah, I you know I think that's a call to visit Lubbock. I may make that call. Well, yeah, I make that call. I've tried to make <laughs> that call myself. I hadn't been so successful, but people don't shiver like they shiver when they hear the name Matt Dotre calling <laughs> okay. from the Avalanche Journal. Right. I'll see if I can pull some strings. Yeah, I good. love how you get on the show and you're like all humble. But I've seen people like, oh god. What's what's Dotre doing? What's what's Dotre up to? Well, he is Matt Dotre, and follow him along there at the Avalanche Journal. Thanks for just taking a few minutes and getting winning. That's going to be something a lot of people are interested in. I don't know how many people still go to monster truck rallies, but I think so far as rodeo events and um, maybe, you know, Texas country music uh, festivals out there on a dirt track would be of a lot of interest to a lot of people. Yeah, and the timeline of this is, soon i can't stress that enough so if they want to get it it up in november right well yeah so if they want to put it up in november um the commissioners have to approve by august 20th and even before that to happen it needs to get approved by the comptroller or something like that so i think either at the next yeah either at the next meeting or the one after they're going to vote on a resolution to send it to the comptroller and i think that office can only have it for like 30 days maximum no so yeah, this is good. This is moving pretty fast. It's uh, it's controller, but I'm I'm I don't mean to correct you on public airways, but okay, that's right. that's the way Bob Bob Bullock said it. Apparently, controller. That's all right, I'll see if I can spell that in the story no, as well. No. Controller. No, all don't, right, don't do it in the stories. That's AP <laughs> okay. AP foe. AP foe. Apparently, okay. Let me just leave you with this. Uh, Adam Young called. Uh, well, I called Adam Young this weekend. Mm-hmm. Your editor. It uh, checked in with him on the column, and uh, he said, you know, Jay, it's AP style that you just do capital O, capital K. You don't write OK. And um, so please don't write controller, and I'll stop writing <laughs> OKAY. He yeah. is Matt Dotre. You can follow along there at the Lubbock Avalanche Journal. Thanks for taking time there, Matt. We appreciate it. My pleasure. It. Anytime. It's always good to have you breaking news here. Or hey, at least covering the news that you've got. That's what covered. I'm here for. All right. Talk to you soon. Thanks, Jay. Yes, sir. Talk to you later. Speaking of real estate, I'm kind of running off the uh, – I'm just running off the cuff this week because I'm doing some work stuff. I'm doing – I've tried to be All-American Dad this weekend. We tried to beat the heat streak and uh, got the slip and slide out and put it at the bottom of my absolutely against city code – treehouse that goes up way up into the skyline the lubbock skyline and uh the kids decided that it'd be great to put the slip and slide you know 15 dollars just add water and dawn soap to the bottom of the slide and went down the slide and we beat the heat there in the backyard this weekend and uh but all i'd say i'm taking real estate courses all week this week from nine to well, it's supposed to be five, but I find a way to get out in order to bring you the program. And uh, that's been a real learning thing. And uh, maybe one day I'll I'll ask you if you trust this program. Uh, 
to trust me, you, you, you appreciate me straight shooting you on this program. Maybe trust me and doing some real estate stuff with you and for your business and personal needs. But we'll get into that shameless plug later on. I want to tell you a little bit about the program coming up this week. We're going to have uh, Steve Rett. Of course, you may know that the Farm Bill has passed the House. It's moved on to the Senate. And there's going to be some discrepancies between the two houses, the U.S. houses, on what's going on there. And um, the Senate's not going to take up the work requirements, or is it going to take up snap cuts to the extent that the House has? And uh, we'll see what they do in conference. But uh, Steve Verrett, if you're listening to this program, let me just tell you, you may hear about ag policy and begin to roll your eyes, but five, four, five billion dollars a year annual economic impact to where you live you cannot be within the listening range where we're broadcasting right here from the rural metropolis in lubbock texas and think that things would work out if cotton is not cotton not cotton not oxycontin but cotton is not working out so we'll have steve red on give us a layman's version of what's going on and then on wednesday we'll have congressman jody errington call in i know he's really jazzed talked to him a few days ago about that thing getting passed and the kind of progress we've made from the time that uh he was elected till now uh he's uh entered into a great uh, effort by a lot of people and has certainly made his own contributions there he'll be with us here on this program along with ross ramsey executive editor of the texas tribune new texas tribune polls up making a lot of state news we'll get in with him as well and so signing off i just want to tell you that i don't need your civil war like i understand both sides i hear about it i talk about it it i think if anything i hope this program is a good place for people of differing opinions to come together and to think through policies that work for peculiar places like West Texas on the social and economic fronts. Hope that the prairie populism we propose here helps set uh, some sort of a stage for that. So, signing off for Matt Dotre and Scott Braddock. Thank you for tuning in. I'm going to get home to a great family and above average dinner. I hope that you have a great Monday evening. If you enjoyed this program, be up at Apple Podcast, other side of Texas, and other side of texas.com we'll see you again here on these 580 airwaves tomorrow 5 p.m as we visit with steve rett and get into emails we're gonna check our email mailbag tomorrow we'll see you right here thank you for tuning in where buddy holly became famous right here in lubbock texas see you manana I was just 15 and out of control, lost to James Dean and rock and roll, I knew down deep.